Hello. Hello. I'm Kelsey. And I'm Kim. Welcome to season two, episode nine of the Massive Fans Book Club podcast. Today, we're covering chapters 49 through 53, which will take us into part three of A Court of Mist and Fury by Sarah J. Mass. Quick reminder before we get into things, we'll be taking off next week as it's the Labor Day holiday, but we'll be back with episode 10 the week after, aka September 13th. But this week, things are about to get, well, honestly rough. And because of that, we warn you now, this podcast is not for little ears or the faint of heart. We apologize now for all the F-bombs galore. Sorry. And and my repetitive, um, somebody really pisses me off and I just call them a B word all the time. And after this moment, it will no longer be B word. She's just a bitch. Anyway, that aside, we're super excited to share something fun with you at the end of this episode. So make sure you listen all the way to the end. We have a new friend joining us briefly and we can't wait for you to hear from her. Now, one more thing before we get started. Kim, what do we have to share? Thanks to you all, we have surpassed 1,000 listens and downloads since we started this podcast only four months ago. Yes! Woo! (laughs) Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. So with that, please remember to rate and review us on whatever platform you listen on so that we can make sure to get our podcast to all of our fellow survivors of mass destruction. And if you do rate and review, please let us know either through a DM on Instagram or Facebook or by using the contact us form on our website. The first 20 reviewers who let us know they did so will receive a special sticker from us. And with that, Kelsey, let's get into it. Oi, let us. (laughs) Chapter 49 opens, quote, I awoke warm and rested and calm, safe. Remember, we are, in case you forgot, in that cruddy little inn. And, um, well, the quote will fill you in. Um, (laughs) And she says, uh, Rhysand's arms were banded around me, his breathing deep and even, and I knew it was just as rare for him to sleep that soundly, peacefully. Because, like, remember, we got uh, naughty last night. We weren't exactly, like, bumping uglies, but, you, yeah, you remember. (laughs) I had a good time. And if you don't remember, you're clearly not that into smut. And if you didn't read it or hear our last episode, you should just stop now and go back and do that. (laughs) Yes. Yes. Because otherwise you're missing something hilarious. Uh, (laughs) Anyways. Faye returns to look at Reese, who opens his eyes to look at her. And when she does this, she's like all snuggled up to him. And he still has his wings like wrapped around them both. And they're just watching each other. And really big hitch in the head statement that you get in this moment is in Feyre's internal monologue where she says we watched each other and I realized I might very well be content to do exactly that forever put that in your pocket just put that in your pocket because I'm going to yell about it later Uh, (laughs) Feyre after a moment asks him why did you make that bargain with me why demand a week from me every month and though the Sarah J. Mass answer is because Hades and Persephone illusions, <laughs> what Reese actually says is because I wanted to make a statement to Amarantha because I wanted to piss off Tamlin and I needed to keep you alive in a way that wouldn't be seen as merciful. And honestly, Feyre is put off by this answer. <laughs> and I don't I know why. why. No, I truly don't know why, because I feel like we already knew this. 
<laughs> like I feel like we knew that this was part of a larger plan. So I, I actually don't really understand the point of this question because I truly, unless I just didn't he answer that. That's what I'm saying that, with that conversation under the mountain that they had. Right. Like I feel Before like we've the third trial. Right. I, I feel like we've been through this. I guess she. <laughs> don't know i don't know okay because i literally just i have in my notes did she really think he was just gonna be like because i love you like i don't know i just don't know what she thought he was gonna say <laughs> but now she's got to be all dramatic about it because reese basically says yeah you know i do whatever i have to you know to save my people and she thinks i'd been a pawn in that game and she even thinks along the lines of like, maybe I dreamed up all of last night and blah, 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 blah. And like, sweetie, in case you forgot, you're the one who just told this dream boat that you only want him for fun. Dumbass. <laughs> like, what do you want him to say? I just, I don't understand where she thought this conversation was going to go. <laughs> I mean, he's the one who stopped and asked her, well, what do you want, Farah? Right. And then she was just all like fun and a distraction. And so I don't really know why now she's like digging for, I don't know. I feel like I, I hate to say this. I feel like she's like every girl I knew in college who would be like, I just want to like go out drinking and like sleep with a stranger. And then like she would, and then she'd be like, why didn't he call me the next day? And I'm like, are you an idiot? You got exactly what you said you wanted. Yeah. He's not going to call you. You didn't give him your number. <laughs> He's not looking for his forever princess. I'm sorry. I just, I don't know. I, I, anyway, we get a snowflake. We're moving on. <laughs> they head out into a clearing because that went so well before. And they do the whole powers practicing thing. And it's awkward <laughs> as it would be for most of us after the night they just had. <laughs> And she even thinks at one point, I could feel the words rising in him as the hours passed. I'd watch him watching me whenever I paused for a break, catch him opening his mouth and then shutting it. And honestly, I'm a huge offender of that myself. I will start to say something like 30 times before I say it. And I always wonder if people notice. And this leads me to believe that they probably do. But the day passes like that. And when they're done with their practice for the day, Reese scoops her up and they're flying back. And Feyre can't take it anymore. She's basically like, what, dude? Not literally, but you get the point. And he says, there's one more story I need to tell you. And then he pauses and she like so sweetly, like puts her hand to his cheek and says, <laughs> I don't walk away, not from you. <laughs> and again, I'm going to have a bone to pick about this later. So put it in your pocket. <laughs> Can I just tell you, every time I read that, like, it, after every time after the first time and I read that, I have this moment of, of like a mental flash to yes! Miracle Max's wife. <laughs> Which is so funny that you say that because I was thinking about the clue moment when Mrs. White is like, flames, flames all over my face. <laughs> something like one of and those. that is me i'm like, like i read this and I'm like, flames all over my face <laughs> and all i can see is madeline khan screaming you know liar yeah 
or is that Madeline? It's not Madeline Kahn, is it? No, it's um, no, it's Bob. What's her face from Taxi? God, of course. Now my, mm-hmm, my brain. Is I just, just like, aged nope, myself. Nope. Now didn't I? Brain is like nope, nope, nope. <laughs> but you know who I'm talking about. So anyway, but yeah, every time I'm like, I hear, I hear her. You know, Miracle Max's. You know, Billy Crystal's wife. Carol Kane. Carol Kane. Okay, thank you. <laughs> I knew her first I name was Carol. Carol Kane. And I could not come up with her last name. It was a like Carol. Carol something something. <laughs> I, I can totally hear Carol Kane and her crazy, you know. Yes. Miracle Max wife witch hair the whole bit. Yeah. Screaming liar. Yeah. All I can hear. I'm you like, and me oh, both. So guys, if you haven't figured out what we're trying to tell you is that fair is full of bullshit and we're about to tell you why. But anyway, we're going to call her on it. We are about to call her shit out. But anyway, um, she says, you know, I don't walk away, not from you. And uh, he begins to tell her, well, I should say he gets her name out anyways before Reese roars out in pain, a pain that Feyre feels rippled down the bond He's been shot multiple places with ash arrows. And we know they're ash because Reese desperately tries to winnow them out of there and can't. And can't. And he tries to throw his magic out to stop the onslaught, but he's too late. He's not only been hit, but his wings are shredded. So we read that Feyre is screaming and apparently not from fear, but from the pain that she's feeling from him and for him as they're plummeting towards the ground. And then in what I think should be everything Feyre needs to know about Reese ever again, like, I think this is where it's just like, okay, and we close the book and this is who Reese is. He uses what little power he has left to summon a dark wind to throw her as far as possible out of the range of the arrows. Mm -hmm. So again, I say friends, what we hear next is really going to piss me off. Anyway, Feyre, better at using her powers under pressure than she is in a forest clearing, eases her fall by throwing her powers like a net beneath her. Still hurts like a bitch, though, from the sounds of it. <laughs> Could have been worse. Yeah. So what's on her- human. No, true. True. I'm not going <laughs> to lie. Sometimes I miss human Feyre. I almost feel like she had more balls. Anyway. Well, yeah. <laughs> once on her feet, she assesses her surroundings and determines that she's alone away from the archers. But no matter how hard she tries, she doesn't hear Reese down the bond. Quote, no sound and the bond between us silent. I'd always felt it protecting me, seducing me, laughing at me on the other side of my shield. And now it had vanished. Unfortunately, she's hearing other creatures, though, and she's starting to get the willies. So she strings her bow and starts to really, like, turn inward, which is, I guess, how the magic works when you think about it. Because she starts thinking about Reese and how they hurt him and targeted him and power starts coursing through her. And instead of rage, she becomes darkness. And she winnows from tree to tree towards the last place she's seen him. Yay! She figured out how that works. And she manages to use her powers to even shift her eyes to be more like a nocturnal animal, which I think is like wicked smart. And kind of the first time we see like worm fighting Feyre come back. Yeah. Like. Finally. Yes. Uh, Like bitch ain't taking no prisoners now. (laughs) So she's winnowing along until she finds a place that smells like Reese and is surrounded by busted branches. So being the Nancy Drew that she is in this moment, she figures out this must be where he fell. This is the last time she's going to use her Nancy Drew powers because I tell you, bitch cannot take a clue to save her life. 
anyway <laughs> it's like we have book one farah yes the- we do and then and then i don't know <laughs> i don't know <laughs> but anyway um so she follows his scent and she even manages to follow it when clearly whoever took him like tried to throw her off by like dragging him in one direction and then taking something like his clothes in the other direction so that she wouldn't know which way to turn. But she figures out how to follow him because in addition to his scent, she can smell herself from being all snuggled up on him all night. And oh, other things. Yeah, I got to say, I, I call bullshit. <laughs> like I love Sarah J. Mass and I know she was trying to do a thing here. But I call bullshit because if she could smell her skin on his skin, why would that smell not transfer his clothes? But what the fuck do I know? Anyway, instead of focusing on that, we're going to focus on how Feyre is really, really pissed. Quote, his roar of pain echoed in my ears and through that merciless, unyielding rage, I decided that if Reese was not alive, if he was harmed beyond repair, I didn't care who they were or why they'd done it. They were all dead. Mm-hmm. Okay. And there's fiery pharaoh we like her <laughs> mm-hmm. so we she miss managed- her i know me too <laughs> which is actually why just like heads up i like book three pharaoh a lot more than i gotta be honest i like book two pharaoh book one and book three way better than book two pharaoh anyway yeah <laughs> i agree no i agree i mean my favorite you meet my favorite characters in book two yes outside of recent pharaoh yes but- but it is not favorite shining moments, in my opinion. No. <laughs> anyway, she manages to find where they've taken him. It's a cave. And when she gets there, she hears a whip crack. And this makes her go all black widow. After her binding two arrows together, we get what will be without a doubt the best scene in this episode, assuming the show makes it this far, as she winnows into the cave and basically starts silently taking out dudes. So here's she like winnows from one to the next like okay. she's killing them she's 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 killing and winnowing and killing and yeah, win- I mean, it's, i'm like it's wild i'm gonna i want to see it exactly it's described as i pushed against the bond between us almost sobbing as i felt that adamant wall but there was nothing behind it only silence they found strange chains of bluish stone to spread his arms suspending him from either wall of the cave his body sagged from them, his back a ravaged slab of meat, and his wings. They'd left the ash arrows through his wings, seven of them. His back to me, only the sight of the blood running down his skin told me he was alive, and it was enough. It was enough that I detonated. I winnowed to the two guards holding two whips. The others around them shouted as I dragged my ash arrows across their throats, deep and vicious, just like I'd done countless times while hunting. One, two, then they were on the ground, whips limp. Before the guards could attack, I winnowed again to the ones nearest. Blood sprayed. Winnow, strike, winnow, strike. Yeah. Yeah, she lost her shit, guys. <laughs> Big time. Girl has snapped. Um, because she literally thinks to herself at this time that the blood on her hands doesn't bother her like it did under the mountain. Because, quote, this blood I savored. Blood for blood. Blood for every drop they'd spilled of his okay again friends tuck it in your pocket because i feel like she's missing a big red flag here huge once she's taken everyone out she gets to reese who is chained up and she manages to get him down and blood is just pouring from him because it won't clot because the ash arrows are there and oh they're also poison arrows by the way um and she rouses him enough to be like we gotta get out of here when i was home and he tells her she he can't 
And so she takes him by the hand and winnows him a short distance to a different cave she'd seen earlier in the day. Once in the new cave, Feyre basically unloads the bad news. She's got to get those arrows out and it's going to hurt. She contemplates snapping the arrows and pulling them out, but then she thinks better of it. She needs to cut them to avoid little shards of the arrows being left behind and either continuing to poison him or just further damage his wings. So like we said, he's got seven arrows embedded in his wings, three in one, four in the other. And while taking these out, she tells him a story. And honestly, it's a beautiful read, but here's the gist of it. Era one, one summer Elaine bought Feyre and Nesta little gifts before their money ran out. It's how Feyre got her paint. She used it to decorate their cottage. Arrow two, among other furniture pieces, one thing she painted was the dresser she kept their, that they all kept their clothes in. Arrow three, I painted flowers for Elaine on her drawer, little roses and begonias and irises. Arrow four, Nesta, I painted flames for her. She was always angry, always burning. I think she and Amra would be fast friends. I think she would like Valaris despite herself. Arrow five, Reese asks her what she painted for herself. I painted the night sky. Arrow six, she tells him she painted stars, the moon, clouds, all on a dark sky background. Arrow seven, I never knew why. I rarely went outside at night. Usually I was so tired from hunting that I just wanted to go to sleep. But I wonder, and as she pulls the last arrow out now, she continues her thought anyway. I wonder if some part of me knew what was waiting for me, that I would never be a gentle grower of things or someone who burned like fire, but that I would be quiet and enduring and faceted as the night, that I would have beauty for those who knew where to look. And if people didn't bother to look, but only to fear it, then I didn't particularly care for them anyway. I wonder if even in my despair and hopelessness, I was never truly alone. I wonder if I was looking for this place, looking for you all. Reese's wounds are clotting by now and he's only able to really say that, you know, she's saved him and she brushes it, brushes it off like a hero do. <laughs> and she asks who attacked him and we find out it was Highburn soldiers, which like, didn't we figure again, what a weird line of questioning who gives a shit who attacked him right now, but okay. Reese rambles about it being his fault that they were attacked because he used magic and they tracked it. And Fair was like, oh, hush and take a nap. Okay, not really what she says, but you get the point. And just before Reese fully loses consciousness, he mutters, I was looking for you too. Aww. Which, Jesus, what a way to end a chapter. Reese's pieces makes me want to like, I don't know, like cuddle him up somewhere. I agree. You know what it is? <laughs> This is going to sound kind of dumb, but I have this, um, I don't know what you call this. It's, it's almost like a trope, but I, uh, you know, book talk, somebody give this a name. <laughs> what is like the, like, what would you call like the trope where it's like, we get like these male characters who are very, like, we always talk about the trope of, you know, like, uh, you know, touch her and I kill you kind of trope, you know, um, you know, I will burn the world down for her type of trope. But there's something about the ones where it's like, yes, yes, and so he will. But he's also so broken that I just want to put him in a blankie in the corner in front of the TV and give him hot chocolate. <laughs> like, like a I little cinnamon schmoly thing. You know? Yeah, like, I don't know what you call that. Where you're like, I know you're the big bad, but I still love you. and want you to sit down and be quiet and have a nice night. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, I pet your head and tell you it's okay. <laughs> 
I will pet them and love him and call him George. <laughs> right? <laughs> what is it from like finding Nemo and you will be my squishy. <laughs> yeah. Um, I don't know what you call that, but I feel like that's exactly what he is. And I feel like he's not the only one. Like I'm trying to think of another good example. I feel like another good example is like, it's kind of like, <laughs> hear me out. It's kind of like how you feel a little bit about like Spike and Buffy where you're like, you're so evil, but at the same time, like you're so bad at it. And I just like I feel like that's why Dawn gets along with Spike so well because she's just like, you're not really as bad as you think you are, and you're kind of hilariously inept and adorable. <laughs> it's kind of like that where you're like, well, Reese, well, you're trying. No, you're so cute. Please sit down and be quiet and let somebody take care of you. <laughs> Spike, Spike and Reese kind of both have the, they start off as the bad guy. Yes, the big bad. <laughs> but they're not. They're mm-hmm. like big teddy bears. Yes, yes. They're big snuggly teddy bears. So I don't, little snuggly teddy bears. Yeah, I don't know what you call like evil looking teddy bears, but if that's a trope. They're not even evil. They're just evil looking. No, that's why I said evil just... looking teddy bears. <laughs> People think <laughs> they are. <laughs> They think they are. There's a difference. They think they that's are. That's what I mean. That's why I'm saying that's how they appear. That's what people see. They're like, oh, that's the big, ugly, mean teddy bear. And you're like, no, that's my nice little buddy teddy bear. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I've now said teddy bear like 47 times. Moving on to chapter 50. <laughs> Sorry. You're fine. 50. I went down the path with you, so. Yeah. 50 opens. Okay, 50 is where shit starts to hit the fan, guys. Okay, 50 opens with us learning that Feyre slept next to Reese all night, trying to keep him warm while she watched the entrance of the entrance of the cave, like all night. And unfortunately, sleep. Right. And unfortunately, now you know it's the next day, and Reese is not doing better. He's clammy and his wounds still look bad and they're oozing. And Feyre's pretty sure he's running a fever. And this is book one favorite dying of her injuries but in reverse like now reese is dependent on her and similar to book one when favor is wondering if she should take reese's deal to help her or if she should wait for lucian to come she wonders if she should leave him to find help or like wait for cassie and her asriel to find them like she's not sure what to do and by the afternoon favor is in a full panic and finally decides the poison had dragged him down deep. I would not risk waiting for help to arrive. I would not risk him. And she bundles him up in as many layers she can spare, kisses his forehead, which is adorable, and then heads out with her new cloak. Why her new cloak, you ask? Whatever will she do with this cloak? Well, friends, hmm, Sarah J. Mass has this way of making all things come full circle. And do we remember when? back when a certain redhead told Farrah she could lure a cereal with chicken and then we learned from Alice that it would have been easier to just use a new piece of clothing (laughs) well sure enough our girl sets out into the forest to build a snare place the cloak and wait and eventually she's smart she is like I said we got book one Farrah back and eventually she hears a crack followed by a screech and she has once again caught the cereal Ta-da! Magic. This time, she's greeted by a new name, Feyre Cursebreaker. Feyre Ooh. announces she has questions, <laughs> and the cereal acknowledges that, oh, yes, Feyre, you seem to have at least two. And she asks what the poison was on the arrows. Bloodbane, the cereal tells her. Where do I find the cure, she asks. And the cereal, being the bitchy queen she is, <laughs> in the forest. 
<laughs> and Sarah's like, don't fuck with me. Where exactly? And the cereal replies with this wild answer. Your blood. Give him your blood curse breaker. It is rich with the healing gift of the high Lord of the dawn. It shall spare him from the blood bane's wrath. And like, I feel like this is enough info, but Pharaoh's like, how much blood? <laughs> and the cereal tells her just a few mouthfuls will do. And now the cereal's getting impatient. And Pharaoh thinks that maybe the cereal allows itself to be caught and was returning the favor for her shooting that arrow the year before, you know, book one. And so Pharaoh strings her bow to break the snare and lets, the, you know, to let the cereal go. And she thanks the cereal, who then replies, if you wish to speed your mate's healing, in addition to your blood, a pink flower weed sprouts by the river. Make him chew it. And Pharaoh shoots her arrow, busting the snare before, like, the words sink in. And then she realizes that the cereal indeed just spilled some tea. What did you just say? She asks for clarification. <laughs> and the cereal begins to mention the flower again, but realizes what she means. You did not know, then. The High Lord of the Night Court is your mate. And Farrah's mind is going like a million miles an hour at this point, which is fair. <laughs> but this is where like it all goes a little sideways to me. Farrah asks the cereal if Reese knows and the cereal's like, yes. To which I want to be like, yo, Farah, everybody knows. Where have you been? <laughs> but let's pretend that we can understand why she doesn't know. Let's pretend as readers that we don't know. <laughs> the next question is still so stupid and weird. She asks if he's known for a while. Like, why would that be your next thought? Like, how on earth is it not, oh, I should go talk to him or, oh, I have to see him or I have to, I don't know, let him drink my blood. But no, we want to know if he's known longer than we have because we're weird. Yeah. <laughs> the cereal begins to tell her that, yes, he's known since, but Farah cuts the cereal off and the cereal is amused as hell, or at least that's how I read it. The line is, you are... You are feeling too much, too fast. I, I cannot read it. But I picture the cereal like kind of leaned in, head cocked, like smiling, like, wow, you really didn't know, you stupid bitch. For someone who can catch a cereal, you are not that bright. No. <laughs> but Farah is just in disbelief, like, nah, it can't be. And the cereal says, and by the way, I don't know if the cereal is supposed to be male or female. The fan art tends to lean female because of the whole spilling the tea gossip girl jokes, but I have no idea. I just have to say, I hear the dragon from Ver from Merlin's voice in my head as the surreal. <laughs> you know, I hear John Hurt. <laughs> well, Our Sir John makes a wonderful choice. Yes, I'm not uh, going to complain. Unfortunately, RIP to him. But anyways, the yeah. surreal explains, he is the most powerful High Lord to ever walk this earth. You are new. You are made of all seven high lords, unlike anything. Are you two not similar in that way? Are you not matched? Which you can tell by that speech pattern of just reading that section, why I hear John Hurt. But anyway, <laughs> instead of really taking this part in, like really clicking with the concept, she's still too busy being like, mate, mate, and he knew. Oi. 
like this girl is about like this is about to go really well if you can't tell so surreal disappears while Feyre is stuttering over her thoughts and she picks up some of those pink flowers on her way to the cave not gonna lie when she, like I read that I hear donkey from Shrek in my head blue flowers red thorns blue flowers red thorns it'd be a whole lot easier if I wasn't colorblind <laughs> but um anyway <laughs> she <laughs> sorry she broke me off (laughs) (laughs) anyway (laughs) so she picks flowers returns to the cave chucks the flowers at reese who poor dude has no idea why she's so pissed then out of it (laughs) yeah and then she like rolls up her sleeves cuts her arm and goes drink this now which also harkens back to book one when she was told in multiple instances to just drink without question and now she's doing the same with him which is probably why he does it i mean personally i would be like excuse me what but he listens because you know he trusts his mate he's smart yeah so we have our vamp yeah well we have our vampire moment and then she (laughs) I mean, I'm sorry. It just reads very Vampire Diaries or Twilight to me. No, I agree. It's just funny. <laughs> it just does. Like, this was where I was like, what? And this book took a weird-ass turn. <laughs> I agree. I just, I was like, we have our vampire moment. We do. And then she flies off the rails. And this is where she loses me, honestly, for, like, almost the rest of the book. Like, side note. I truly love Feyre as a character. I think she's amazing. I truly love these books. And I understand that she's 20 and wasn't, you know, she's now a fae and she wasn't before. And I mean, I know I wasn't my like brightest in my early 20s either. However, I honestly have a really hard time siding with her for the next handful of chapters. You don't get to ask questions. I said, and he looked up at me, exhaustion and pain lingering in his face, my blood shining on his lips. Part of me hated the words for acting like this while he was wounded, but I didn't care. You only get to answer them and nothing more. Weariness flooded his eyes, but he nodded, biting off another mouthful of the weed and chewing. I stared down at him, the half Illyrian warrior who was my soul bonded partner. How long have you known that I'm your mate? Reese stilled, the entire world stilled. He swallowed. Farah, how long have you known that I'm your mate? You, you ensnarled the cereal. How he pieced it together, I didn't give a shit. I said, you don't get to ask questions. I thought something like panic might have flashed over his features. He chewed again on the plant as if he, as if it instantly helped, as if he knew that he wanted to be at his full strength to face this, face me. Color was already blooming in his cheeks, perhaps from whatever healing was in my blood. I suspected for a while, Reese said, swallowing once more. I knew for certain when Amarantha was killing you and when we stood on the balcony under the mountain, right after we were freed, I felt it snap into place between us. I think when you were made, it, it heightened the smell of the bond. I looked at you then and the strength of it hit me like a blow. He'd gone wide-eyed, had stumbled back as if shocked, terrified, and had vanished. That had been over half a year ago. My blood pounded in my ears. When were you going to tell me? 
So yeah, at this point she goes full lunatic and just like repeatedly starts yelling, like, when were you going to tell me? And that's why she loses me. Okay. Because we had 4,000 clues up to this point. Remember all those times I kept saying, tuck this away. Yeah, those. (laughs) Reese told her like a hundred times how he felt in little ways. And she even felt most of those back, which is why I give you my side rant, my dissertation. All 20 plus clues or times she should have known. Get your drink. Everybody get ready. Make sure you're ready because because Kelsey's going to rant and, and I'm going to join her, but this is really hers, but I'm joining her. But I want you all to know you need to have your beverages ready to go. Sorry. <laughs> for starters. I'm ready. Beverage Good. in hand. Good. <laughs> because for starters, let's go with the 4,000 times she told us that he was the most beautiful man she'd ever seen in book one. I repeat, she never said that about Tam. Or anybody else ever ever the fact that he saves her ass for no reason the minute he meets her on fire night and the line i've been looking for you enough said (laughs) the fact that she even took the deal in the first place in book one the fact that he even offered her a deal at all in book one and was willing to negotiate terms (laughs) all of the times he kept implying she'd win While it could have been part of his plan, it definitely seemed much more like a belief in her. And this clue doesn't stand much on its own, but it's compounded by the ones around it. (laughs) Okay, how about we try his respect for her when she's drunk and half naked and dancing? He could have gotten away with murder, but he kept it PG. Could it be because he's just not an asshole? Sure, but it could also be because he cares about what she thinks of him, definitely. Okay, how about when he kissed her to save her ass? He knew that that was going to cost him and he did it anyways. All of these things up until this point cost him and he did it anyways. The fact that she knew for a fact that she wasn't getting a mating bond signal thingy about Tam. How how about when Reese saves her ass on her wedding day after not taking her up on the deal for months until she starts shouting down the bond? No, save me. Like I argue he never would have held up that deal at all if that hadn't happened. I agree. And I think she knows that too. Okay, how about the fact that she is even remotely comfortable during those weeks she's visiting during their deal. She's so comfortable that she's able to eat, read, practice her shielding. I feel like all of that should mean something. How about the fact that he and Moore save her from the spring court? Or maybe it's the way he includes her and even makes her a part of his chosen family. Maybe it's the line, you are my salvation. Enough said. Or maybe it's her jealousy of Cressida or his jealousy of Tarquin. Maybe it's their whole waking each other from nightmares and the tender moments they share there. Or hey, maybe it's when he holds her fucking hair while she pukes because that feels like a keeper to me. Tam never did. Hell, right. Tam never bothered to, to wake up. 
And I say that with air quotes. <laughs> right. Uh, let's see. How about when we play slutty time in the court of nightmares and Reese literally apologizes for all of it and she acts kind of like a bitch and he just takes it. <laughs> yeah. Oh, and Kier, he literally busted a man for talking about his girl. <laughs> Didn't just bust him, he busted him. <laughs> all right. Um, okay, Starfall, all of it. <laughs> All of Starfall. I'm sorry, but <laughs> all of it. <laughs> um, at the do end. that again. <laughs> Thanks. My my favorite bit. She paints on him. She smiles. He's like, do it again. Right. I don't know. Maybe that should have like set up a little flaggy in her brain. Okay. Or maybe at the end when Reese tells her he would have let her go with Lucian if she wanted to, but if she'd been taken, he'd have torn the world apart looking world apart. for her. Or when he literally tells her she's all he thinks about. Or maybe it's her own realization at the end that Reese would never have let her fall apart the way that Tamlin had. Or maybe she's just, you know, totally in denial mode because I'm sorry. What about when she literally thinks about the things he has said to her? Quote, I can't breathe when I look at you. Let me touch you because I was jealous and pissed off, she's mine. She literally thinks of those four quotes from him at one point, and then somehow from there just goes, la-di-da, instead of completing that thought process. Please think about I talked how- to you all in the last, in the last episode. Yeah. I said, she's mine. Flag that, um, people. Yeah. I mean, and this list doesn't even include, like, now that I'm thinking about it, it, like, doesn't even include, like, when she's practice fighting with Cassian and she loses her marbles and he, like, swoops in and is like, it's okay. Like, this list doesn't even include, like, some of the ways, like, she reacted, like, when he was threatened or hurt. I mean, she went full kill mode earlier in this episode. I mean, I just feel like, how could she not see it? And if all of this, hadn't been convincing maybe it's just because of how i pictured in my head but how could she not know looking back at how he reacted when she died yeah how could she not know when he went after amarantha when tamlin didn't and maybe it's just because i'm an empath but how could she not know and this irritates the crap out of me. And I realize this would be up for interpretation. We don't even really get into this, but how could she not know literally like the minute she kissed him? Because I feel like we all knew all of those times. And that my friends is my dissertation on why I think she's in denial and full of bullshit. Yep. <laughs> I agree. I mean, I call a spade a spade on this one, man. In, in anyway, she reacts really well. Um, not not uh, when she <laughs> Jinx. When, yeah, when she asks Reese if the others know, and he says that more and Amron do. Of course, he'd have to tell more. I mean, I have to assume that's how he so quickly convinced her to go get Feyre out of the Spring Court. And uh, Amron's just not an idiot, <laughs> so she figured it out. I'm sure. <laughs> And as for Asriel and Cassian, they suspect it, which again, I assume is just because they're not blind. <laughs> yeah. And <laughs> that, I mean, Asriel is the spy master. <laughs> if he can't figure that shit out, yeah, we got he, another problem. Yeah, then he should be fucking fired. <laughs> and honestly, 
<laughs> Reese explains why he didn't tell Farah in the most logical way possible. It's why I wouldn't have told her either. You were in love with him. You were going to marry him. And then you, you were enduring everything and it didn't feel right to tell you. Which is a thousand percent correct. <laughs> why would he want to tell her 10 minutes after she's come out of an abusive relationship? And then he continues, which again, I think should mean the world to her, but she misses the point. <laughs> the other night you told me you wanted a distraction. You wanted fun, not a mating bond and not someone like me, a mess. Like she didn't do it on purpose, but she's literally just been repeatedly ripping this man's heart out for literal months. And now she's frustrated. Like she's frustrated for him. My heart is breaking for the dude, man. Exactly. And she throws his throws in his face. Their promise. You promised, you promised no secrets, no games. You promised Honestly, I do sort of get this, but she hasn't been fully honest either, which we admittedly only know because the book is from her perspective, but we do know, which makes it annoying. So Reese goes on and you can read the whole thing, but basically what he says is what I said, which is he's literally been so tormented trying to decide when and if to tell her that that's basically why he got shot down. He wasn't focused. But the important and really heartbreaking thing is when he says, or that maybe I should let you go so you don't have a lifetime of assassins and high lords hunting you down for being with me. And this is when, as mad as she is, if it were me, I'd pause and reflect for a moment because I can give her being mad. I can give her being shocked. And in fairness, she does have trauma around the whole someone trying to decide what she should and shouldn't know and shouldn't, shouldn't care about. So like, I do understand that this is somewhat of a capital T trauma response, but I am just shocked and appalled that she can't process how much she is hurting him. Given just hours ago, she flew into what was clearly a mate's rage at the idea of him being hurt. Did she not say if, you know, like she would kill them all? Right. And didn't she just kill like eight fucking dudes? Yeah. yeah. She killed everyone who it, was there. Yeah. Like he would miss them. He, she, she did almost right. the same thing. Right. So given all of that, what she does next blows my damn mind. She demands that he take her back. She won't let him explain, won't let him get a word in at this point. And so he does. With what he can muster, he winnows them back to the Illyrian camp. So let's roll right into 51. Reese winnows them in and they slam into the snow back at the Illyrian camp. And Feyre notes that Reese is probably meant to winnow them into the house, but his powers gave out. Cassie and Amore see them and they rush out. Reese is literally on the ground, unable to stand, groaning Feyre's name. And she literally, quote, left him lying in the mud and stormed towards the house. Y'all, this is where I've had it with her. <laughs> he was literally dying moments ago, still isn't out of the woods health-wise. And she demands that he winnow them out using the last bit of his strength left and then doesn't even have the decency to like, I don't know, wait next to him until Cassian can come get him. She literally leaves this man in the mud. 
And I feel like that could give a person a complex. Like, if I were Reese, I'd be scarred for life from this moment. So Cassian being the A plus dude he is, does a quick once over on Farah, and upon realizing she's fine, rushes over to Reese. More choosing hoes before bros, like she should. I don't blame more. (laughs) Winnows Farah out of there as soon as she is asked to. But the heartbreaking thing... But here's the thing, like, I'm kind of shocked that he's not pissed. Oh, Cassian? Who? Cassian? Yeah. yeah. No, oh, I think. No, no, her. Reese. Oh, I, well, Reese, Reese is, is not mad at her. That's because he's still, like, fucking bleeding out, man. <laughs> like, he can't even stand up. He is literally, like, this is, and that's the things I can picture it and I can hear it. And that's why I'm like, girl, I cannot even understand how you walked away because like my heart broken and I want to go pick this man up is pissed. As, like, I think you can be two things. I think you can be pissed and still not want somebody to bleed out in the mud. I'm sorry. I really think you can be both, but apparently not if you're Pharaoh. Um, yeah, I think Cassian probably, I would love to see his perspective perspective on this. I feel like he probably is pissed as hell for Reese. I think Reese probably would be pissed if he wasn't bleeding. Um, <laughs> yeah, but the heartbreaking thing is that more is kind of with me on this. She doesn't want to take Farah. She sees, I mean, let's think about it. She sees her cousin on the ground, hears him moaning Farah's name in physical pain and emotional agony. But, you know, woman to woman, knowing that need and desire for someone to get you out of a situation you don't want to be in bites her lip and only hesitates for a moment before getting Feyre out of there. And so I give more, way more credit in this than I give Feyre. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Absolutely. So more takes Feyre to a log cabin. The house is warded. So no one can winnow in. No one can get beyond this point actually without her family's permission. She pauses, but continues. You're allowed in and Feyre questions because I'm his mate. And more is like, not literally, but basically, oh shit, I wondered if that's what was going on, <laughs> which, you know, what she actually asks is, did you guess, or did he tell you? Which in fairness, like <laughs> my husband who hasn't read the books, listened to me rant about this. And he had kind of a good point. He said to him, this whole mate thing sounds a lot like the zing concept from Hotel St. Transylvania. <laughs> I don't know uh, if you saw that yeah, movie. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, the whole yeah. thing. Yeah. Anyway, it really is similar, not same, but similar. And he pointed out that in that movie, you can't zing one-sided. And while you can in this universe, like we know that you could have like a mating bond that just, here's the thing, Kim, correct me if I'm wrong. You still can't really mate one-sided. You could just deny the mating bond, right? Like you could be like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I got the concept that you're my mate, but I don't give a fuck. And I'm going to marry this guy instead. Right. I don't think it's really supposed to be that like Reese could be like mated to her, but she'd be like, no, I don't see it. (laughs) Like, I don't know that that's an option. (laughs) Isn't it more like she could just be like, I don't care. Cause we know that you can deny a mating bond that's discussed, but. Yeah. I mean, so here's the thing though, if she. If he had allowed her to marry him, he would have had to deny the mating bond. He would have had to have rejected right, it. Right, right. But that doesn't mean that she, te- like, 
<laughs> if you use this zing concept, like I said, you can't one-sided zing. It's like zing, zing. So if he's like, boom, mating bond, then technically on some level, doesn't there have to be a mating bond back? She could just be like, nah, bitch, I'm marrying Tamlin anyway. And then he could just be like, yeah, fuck the mating bond. Like, it's not like he, she, like to me, and I guess that's the part that like my brain cannot comprehend because my point is that means to me, like I'm irritated because on some level she had to know, like mm-hmm. she, she has to just be in denial and that bugs me. <laughs> Cause like, even my hubby agrees that like, she should have either initially like essentially zinged by now, or she's like not gonna. You know what I mean? Like, I don't, I feel like the answer is she has, she's just not, you know, picking it up because we can fairly assume that this book isn't going to be about the fact that neither Tamlin or Reese are her mate. (laughs) That would be a stupid ass book. (laughs) Yeah, no, I agree. So my point is, she's really made it with Lucian. That's what it is. Right, right. Reese, Tamlin's in love with her, but Reese has made it to her, but she's made it to Lucian. Like, that's not the fucking point of this book. That's not where this is going. There's no, that's not how this works. And that's my point is I can understand that maybe she doesn't know at the exact same moment that Reese knows, but I don't buy that she has no idea. (laughs) I just don't. (laughs) Uh, Anyway, that's basically my point is, is like, that's why we went through that list. Um, because I stand by the fact that she does know she just doesn't want to admit it so when she's like to more oh like no like I just found out or whatever like I just call bullshit anyway Feyre's bitch really comes out and honest to god this is like why I start to not like her more is like is he is he all right after hearing about the whole arrows poison ordeal and Feyre just yeah. says he'll live now, maybe it's because of the attitude I hear in my head, but I just think that's a fucked up response. <laughs> like, like, a man you just admitted to yourself that you'd basically tear the world apart for if he was hurt or worse now is reduced to ill live. Like, because he didn't wave a fucking you're my mate banner in your face. Oh, <laughs> well, you know. Anyways, Moore has had hundreds of years of tact that I don't have. So she doesn't question Farah like I would. (laughs) She just lets it go uh, when Farah shuts her down for trying to explain Reese's side of things. So she just says, I'll check back in three days. There are clothes in the bedrooms and all the hot water you want. The house is spelled to take care of you. Merely wish or speak for things and it'll be done. And then she leaves and Farah is left alone with her thoughts. and this is where kim takes over because honestly like thank god if i had to talk about fair for one more minute i might have a conniption i mean does she have trauma sure is she only 20 sure is she allowed to have a bad day sure but she didn't just react poorly she literally left a man face first in the mud because she was left out of the loop for a very valid reason. And that makes me really want to slap her. So Kim, you take it from here and try to convince me otherwise. <laughs> okay, well, before I do that, I, I do have one thing I want to point out as one of the little bullets you didn't point out about oh, yes. how she should have figured this shit out. In 20 ways or more. 
matching crown or diadem to his crown every time she did shit every time they went anywhere he put a goddamn crown on her head the fuck yeah even under the mountain if you recall yes yeah um yeah i (laughs) sorry that was my big deal like yeah as i was going through this more and more i'm like dude he keeps putting crumbs on your fucking head what the hell bitch okay um crowns tiaras diadems we also skipped the fact that i mean like he literally had her go find a ring at the weaver's house i do what could that represent people hmm hmm why would a person do that it was an infinitely it's infinitely a female's ring they Hmm. both acknowledge that yeah hmm what would that possibly be for anyway yeah i don't fucking get it i can't um deal people who have read the rest of this book in book three obviously know where it's going i think if you don't live under a rock even this is your first read you don't know where this is going (laughs) um but my point is i mean um because this isn't really a spoiler but uh, anyway i'm sorry but if you recall kim the first time i read it i don't even remember if i told you this i just have a very vivid memory of reading it in a uh, mcdonald's parking lot don't ask me why uh it just happens to be where i was when i read this the first time um the the time um when they go to the bone carver and um she sees a young boy I immediately knew who that was. Maybe because I've just read a fucking lot of books. And I know how this goes. <laughs> but yeah, I immediately yeah. on first read knew who that was. Yep. Me too. So I don't really understand what rock favorite lives under. The rock of denial, man. And that's, I think, what bugs me. And Kim and I had a very long conversation about this offline that I will reduce to basically, I think why I'm irritated at this point is because to me, characters and people sort of fall into one of two categories. You either have empathy and are very empathetic or you're not. And if if you don't have empathy or you're just like not really capable of it or, you know, you don't pick up on social cues or what have you, that's fine. That's who you are. And I, as an empathetic person, understand that that's who you are and don't expect that exactly. of you, i.e. Nesta. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. But, and to a point, Amarin, um, but yeah she's a different kind of animal but to well, a no, point. it's not even that i was just gonna say you know i mean you and i are both empaths but my my empathy is higher than yours not mm-hmm. yes and i don't mean that because and like we talk about it like from our enneagrams and, yes. and yeah. even our our myers-briggs I yeah mean, my, like i my, can turn it off <laughs> i can't right like, which is why i can yeah off it's impossible it sucks balls people let me tell you you think oh it's great no it sucks yeah because i can tell it uh blows big time yeah i can turn it off if i want to which is why i appreciate amarin and why i say that it's not that amarin doesn't have empathy it's just that i think she chooses to not most of the time i i just i can't even turn it off so for me it's like i i have to learn to kind of filter block it out right right because otherwise it it's a constant barrage coming exactly which so all of that to say um 
if you're one or the other, fine. Um, or if you're able to turn it off and be, you know, I think these are your warrior characters. These are, you know, Amran, possibly we don't know a lot about him, Varian. You know, I, I think there are some people who can turn it off. But anyway, the point oh. is, I don't understand the concept of like Feyre, who's only got it half the time. Right. I, I don't understand because sometimes she is so tuned in and a hundred percent reading people. And these are the moments when she sees paintings in her head and she picks up on everybody's little feelings and she's very observant. And I'm like, wow, damn, that was, she picked that up hard. Insightful. But then other times yeah. she just like completely misses it. And I don't understand. Like, I do not understand how in this moment she is not like, my heart is broken for this dude. And he is imaginary. I, <laughs> like, like, I, I mean, I, I actually cried. Because I was, one, I was pissed at her. So it was anger crying. Right, right. Oh, but yes, I two, feel that. I was crying because I was hurt for him. I mean, right. I'm like, all right, sweetheart. Yeah. I don't understand your reaction to this. Yes, I understand that you're upset he didn't talk to you about it. I get that, Okay take 10 and go cool off right and then think about this and you'll be fine right but right. you're having a temper tantrum yes and that's what bothers me what bothers me is and i wasn't planning on going into all of this so if we have talked your ear off on this we apologize but basically my point is i feel like no offense i love the book this is one of the parts is just not really written that well, I think. And here's why I say this, because I think we fall for the next couple of chapters into this weird trap that I see a lot of books fall into, which is we decide that because she's young, she's going to be hot-headed and unable to possibly imagine how Reese feels because Reese is so old and has been around so long. Do you see what I'm saying? It's like, we have to mm-hmm. pit, we have to, we have to make sure that we remember there's this age and maturity gap, basically. So we make it so that he feels everything and she can't possibly understand what he's feeling. But I think that's bullshit because she did understand up until this point. So how come she suddenly can't? <laughs> right. Like, that's the part that bugs me because I don't understand how the same woman who freaking last chapter was all I don't walk away from you is literally walking away she did exactly what she said she wouldn't do and that yes I'm with you it pisses me off because I'm like look bitch right yes like we said we're gonna call her a bitch a lot actually I don't think there were many as many f-bombs as I expected in all of that and that's because I was too busy calling her a bitch because <laughs> she's a stupid uh, bitch in this chapter <laughs> Yeah, but honey, you still have my two chapters to get through. Oh, good. Oh, true. Yeah. Mm -hmm. We're going to drop some F-bombs there because I don't fucking understand. (laughs) I get angry with her in chapter 52. (laughs) Yeah. 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 So, Kim, carry on. Okay, Kim. So, we are now in part three of the book. Yes. So, chapter 52. (laughs) <laughs> chapter 52 but as you all recall Feyre had her little smit and more whisked her away and brought her to a cabin in the middle of nowhere and I'm going to try to just let you tell us what happened and I'm going to try not to uh, get too mad about the fact that Feyre's dumb as 
fuck. And I feel like this takes way too long for her to work. I mean, I understand working through your feelings, but this is taking a little too long. And it I does. feel it's too long. I yeah, I just feel like just get into it. And I will make a point when we get to the point that irritates the shit out of me. And then I will try to be, and then I'll try to be good. <sighs> no problem. Okay. So <laughs> something I, I'm going to forewarn you all about, because remember the first time favorite painted in this book, and I say painted and I mean it super loosely was Starfall. When she uh-huh. took Stardust and she drew on me sand. Adorbs. It was, it was super cute. And um, <laughs> she's been having these artistic clashes. Mm-hmm. So anyway, you and I, as we were going through this, we, we lovingly referred to this chapter as cry and paint alone. So mm-hmm. I warned you yeah. all now. She it's actually cr- paints. Like the yeah. art comes back. Yay. But it's also cry and paint alone. And I do just want to point out, because why would you have highlighted this? This is just a weird thing that bothers me. Um, the opening of this chapter is there was a deep sunken tub in the floor of the mountain cabin. I repeat, what is with this bitch in bathrooms? I know. I'm sorry. She's like, she got a bathroom obsession. She really does. And I don't, okay. I don't know if Feyre has a bathroom obsession or if Sarah J. Math has a bathroom obsession. <laughs> but i just feel like sarah j mass has a pinterest board that is all bathrooms <laughs> i think you might be right who knows like a secret board huh i'm like what is what is this what are we doing but anyway a secret board of bathrooms like does it matter no does it crack me the hell up yes yes it do but carry on does not matter to the plot at least not right now <laughs> no so anyway it opens with, so she mentions the bathroom because what happens is this fairy takes a bath for the first time in three days and she notes that it's large enough to, to, to accommodate Illyrian wings. And I'm sorry, I swear to God, I'm going to shut up and let you get into this, but I just am still on this bathroom thing. And I'm thinking about how she's like, damn, I haven't taken a shower in three days. And I'm sitting here as a new mom, like, damn, I haven't taken a bath in a week. What the fuck? <laughs> I should rephrase. I haven't taken a bath since having a child. I've taken a shower, but I haven't washed my hair in 10 days. <laughs> yeah, favorite. Tell me about your problems. <laughs> okay. I'm sorry. Just a little bitter. Move on. <laughs> <It's okay. laughs> oh, friend. I've been there, done that. I remember. And I just laughed because she's like, she says in here, three days without a bath and I could have wept at the warmth and cleanliness of it and i'm thinking me too um, bitch (laughs) okay gotcha but i just kind of giggle because then she's like you know that and then like her next thought to this is as well you know not not that at one point in my life not that long ago i would i had gone weeks and weeks between bathing so like that's a mental image thanks thanks a lot don't know if i needed it but thank you (laughs) boy so she's cleaning the word mate just keeps popping up in her head so bear in mind that kind of runs throughout this whole chapter like as she's doing different things the word mate pops into her head and she either gets like well pisses her off more often than not which i'm like okay whatever you have issues so she gets out of the bath and she realizes she's hungry because she hasn't eaten in a full day because Reese was hurt and injured and she was taking care of him and she was all kinds of upset 
because she didn't know if he was going to be all right or not. And, you know, she recognizes that from deep inside her, there was this need to protect and care for him. This is the point of contention. This is why I'm irritated because we take our, like, we're mad. We say more, take me away. More does. We take our bath. I get it. Baths are great. Get a bath bomb, chill out, maybe have a glass of wine. I got it. Then she decides she needs a snack. I get it. Life is hard when you're hangry. I understand. But then she's like, I'd acted on instinct on a drive to protect him that had come from so deep in me, so deep in me. Yeah, bitch. That's the mating bond. Okay, now that we've established that, why don't you call his ass in and you two need to talk? Like you you took your bath, you ate your snack. Tell you what, I even understand if you won't go take a nap. But the fact that now we're going to sit here and play, let's cry and paint for multiple days pisses me off because she knew right now. I know, I'm with you. Two pages into this chapter. Anyway, go on. Well, I mean, because there's this whole part because even right before the part you just quoted, it's the whole, because he'd been injured and I'd gone out of my mind, absolutely insane Uh when he'd been taken from me, shot from the sky like a bird. I'm like, yeah, okay, girlfriend, get over yourself. Stop having your sulk and and put on your big girl panties and let's do this. So, (laughs) you know, she's, she's, she's making food. She's making soup. She eats a lot of soup at the cabin. Have you noticed that? She eats um, a lot of soup. Yes. Also, there's a really hilarious, like, meme. Not even really meme. Just, like, a hilarious, like, fan art about later in this book about soup. And it's hilarious. And trust me, it'll be on our Pinterest. <laughs> I, 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 I like soup, especially if it's cold, because I do like having soup. It's, it is comfort food in a weird way. All right. So anyway, she's, she makes soup because she's hungry. She's hangry. Let's face this. She is hangry. Right, which I get. I get. It makes sense. I'm with you. I get it. And she's mulling over that he had known it for so long. And then she's like, well, on my wedding day, had he interrupted to spare me from a horrible mistake or for his own ends? Because I was his mate. And letting me bind myself to someone else was unacceptable. And then as she continues to eat, she's, she had, in her internal monologue, she says, and beneath the barrage of my thoughts, a throb of relief. My relationship with Tamlin had been doomed from the very start. I had left only to find my mate, to go to my mate. If I were looking to spare us both from embarrassment, from rumor, only that, only that I had found my true mate would do the trick. Okay. Yeah, so if you weren't annoyed already, now is a good time to be irritated. Like, not yes. only that, but yes, I girl, you got it. That's it. That's the end of the thought. Well, and I guarantee you, the whole there are certain rules that had to happen. Remember, remember that whole part about rules. Mm-hmm. Do share, do go off. So, okay. So here's the thing. So she she's having this whole conversation in her head about the fact that okay you know she comes to the realization if she were looking to spare both of them from embarrassment from rumor only that she had found her true meat would do the trick so here's the thing okay like Amberin, it's his political advisor his number two she does all of the political advising okay and that means amber knew and Amberin was able to tell him it doesn't really matter no matter what anyone says in the end she's your mate and that's going to trump it and so uh-huh. you know she gets all pissy that amron and more know but ultimately amron more well more knows because of what happened 
after he left under the mountain. Right. But More knows Cameron, because she, she had, shows up at her doorstep basically like, oh, crap it. She, she, he was having a, he was having a meltdown. But, you know, Moore knows that, you know, I mean, Moore knows from that. But at the same time, she's his number three. But his number two, like, is his political person. Of course she has to know. So anyway, I just find it interesting that Farrah comes to this all on her own while she's eating soup. And like, good on her. But again, anytime now you could summon your mans and start spiraling and cheat you know how i kept saying earlier and it pissed me off because she kept doing the whole traitor 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 but i was just like oh my god you're not being a traitor she finally realizes well she wasn't well no shit and then she's just like she's like you know even if you had known i was his mate well i'd shared a bed with tamlin for months and months he'd known i was sharing the bed with him and he hadn't let it show or maybe he didn't care so now she's going to go down this path of self-doubt which you know okay that i kind of get she is kind of smart enough to sit there and say you know after everything that happened under the mountain and everything that happened with with well right i mean not amaranth amarantha oh my god everything that happened with the amarantha good lord see i had amaranth on the brain um from earlier that you know maybe he just didn't want to have the bond like maybe he was opposed to it i guess who knows i mean okay i sort of understand that to a point except for the fact that like what rock you be under like i know she like this man will literally throw what? down for you. What do you, what do you not, I don't know. My brain cannot comprehend. Maybe also because in fairness, like as Kim knows, like I am reading other books right now. And so <laughs> we both are <laughs> in these, in these other books, um, sorry, <laughs> in these other books, um, I feel like the men have to do half as much work for women to be like goo goo eyed. And it's like, God damn it, Tara. <laughs> this man is doing the most and you just don't see it <laughs> yeah yeah and then you know she's like maybe he didn't want it maybe she'd hoped it but maybe he you know I, I don't totally get where her brain goes I mean I do but I don't and she's like well maybe he thought it would go away I'm like no honey if he thought it would go away he wouldn't have come to save your ass on your wedding day um and she's like I owed nothing to Reese then I had nothing to apologize for. No, you do. You need to apologize for being a complete and total bitch to him, sugar plum. Let me tell uh -huh. you. Uh-huh. <laughs> and then she's like, but he'd known I'd react badly, that it would hurt me more than help me. And what if I had known? What if I had known that Reese was my mate while I loved Tamlin? It didn't excuse his not telling me. It didn't excuse the recent weeks when I'd hated myself so much for wanting him so badly when he should have told me. But dot, 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 I mm -hmm. understood. Like, I want to reach through right now and just smack her. Because I'm just yes. like, oh, my God. Oh, my God. You it walked was, yourself into the circle now twice? It was really difficult to read this a second and third time. Like, the first time I read it, I was just so busy, like, get together, get together, get together. <laughs> like, I didn't mm -hmm. let it really bother me. Then I read it a second right. time and it was irritating as hell. And then I read it like the third time making our notes to do the podcast. And I was like, you know what? Fuck you. Like, just fuck you. Yeah. I'm so irritated. <laughs> I get so irritated by this. I'm just like, anyway, I digress. She cleans up. I love this little bit. She's just like, she, she, she cleans up and she goes to bed. Okay. <laughs> but she, before she falls asleep, she's all, 
Last night I had curled up beside him, counting his breaths just to make sure he didn't stop making them. And the night before that, I'd been in his arms while they were having fun. Doing the things. And so then she looks out the window next to the bed. She sees the stars because, of course. And what does her, what does her mind go to this I love? Her mind is like, I wondered if more told him where I was. Wondered if he'd come looking for me. Mate. My mate. And then we have a snowflake. All right. We could have had a chapter, but now we have a snowflake. All right. Whatever. She wakes up. It's morning. And there's sunlight on sparkling on all the snow because it's late winter, early spring. So there's still snow and they're in the mountains. There's still snow. And she finally realizes she's in this isolated cabin. And she's like, this must be that retreat he was telling me about. The one that, that Amarin and Moore burned to the ground when they had that fight. Yeah, that'd do it. <laughs> and then, Yeah, you know? But then she gets mad because she's like, well, more enamored at them. And she didn't know if she wanted to be pissed off at them or not about it. I'm like, why would you be mad at these two women who have done nothing but be your friend? Basically. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, y'all. See the face she's making. It just is too good. <laughs> I, 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 yeah, I cannot wrap my head around what is going on right now because i also feel like we just established this earlier in the chapter like why are we doing it again like i don't understand she was just like i don't yeah i just i feel like she just went through this and then we got a snowflake and now we're doing the exact same conversation again like who the fuck are we what are we doing this whole chapter i get so frustrated because i'm just like really you are walking yourself in circles this entire chapter so anyway, so she, she does this whole round of mental beating herself up that she had told Reese she wouldn't walk away. But what does she do when she finds out? She gets pissed off and she walks away. And she starts to think that maybe she should have walked away. Hmm, some introspection. Okay, this is what, the second or third time now we've done this? Okay. But what do we get? A snowflake. <sighs> now... We're a little snowflake. No, we're a little snowflake happy. I'm sorry, but we are this chapter. It's like, really, could we cut out like three of them and we'd have been fine? Really? I'm good. Anyway, (laughs) so she's bored. So she starts wandering on the cabin because she has more take her away. But does she think to say, get me a book or anything? No, 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 no. Like, God, Barry, you are so not bright sometimes anyway but she starts looking around the cabin and she she literally goes through every room every drawer in every room every closet in the cabin there is to go so she's discovered in in the two bedrooms a a collection of weapons some clothes i'm amused by all the different weapons because apparently there are enough weapons here to start a small war um which i just considering who hangs out there? I think it's kind of amusing because I can totally see Cassian doing that. I'm pretty sure that our guest at the end of this episode's room is a little like this. <laughs> I'm just saying. I think she mentioned that. <laughs> yeah. So anyway, I just kind of giggled. And then she ends up in this closet. It's a storeroom, really. And 
she's seeing all the different equipment, there's sports equipment and fishing equipment. So she realizes at some point the, that, that it must, we must get some warm weather and, you know, the weather must get warm and they must have warm, fun things to do at some point because, you know, she's got the fishing gear and, and all the other stuff for them to do summer outside stuff. And so we, um, you know, she, she's going through and she almost misses seeing several cans of paint and brushes and supplies. Woohoo! Guess what? So as she's doing this, she's also come to the realization that the inner circle, the, the Reese's inner circle is more like having her own family. It's like a family of choice. So again, we're having weird introspection. And she's she she opens up the first can and literally gets inspired enough to go gather art supplies and we get a snowflake. Like I said, we could have seriously done with a few of these. Sarah, I love you. I love your books. I love these characters, but seriously, this is a bit overkill. Nothing personal. So anyway, she paints all day and then she paints through the night, which is cool as, as somebody who has an art degree and is a bit of an artist herself. I understand this when, when inspiration strikes, inspiration strikes and you, it's hard to stop. I know Kelsey understands that too. And well, yeah. um, we, um, I'm sorry, you guys, I have to like stop. I'm totally being like completely like bamboozled by this adorable little baby girl. Yeah, sorry. My kid decided that now seemed like a good time to get all snuggly. And now my dog is like crying in the background. This is, this is the reality of how we record guys. <laughs> my baby is making goo goo eyes at Kim in the camera. <laughs> And my heart is melting into a big puddle of goo. Sorry. I got distracted by a really cute baby. Welcome to the backstages um, of this podcast, y'all. Yeah. I mean, between my kid and my cats, I, I, I'm with you. It's okay. We're all there. So, see, we really are real people, you guys. Really, we are. It's, it's all good. Um, and she's just a cute little snuggle bug, you guys. You have no idea how adorably cute this child is. And um, anyway, so Farrah paints. She paints all day. She paints all night. And she only pauses really to eat, which I think it's hysterical because if any of you are artists or do like serious crafting, whether it's sewing or or even some of us, like there are people who read like this. I do. I've been known to read and forsake everything but food and toilet when I need to. So whatever your jam is that, that gets you going to the point where you can do it to exclusion of all else, that's Pharaoh with painting right now. And she is painting the entire friggin' cabin. She's painting stuff everywhere on all the walls, all the surfaces, all the things. And she gets interrupted by a knock at the door. Ta-da! Who could it be? And She opens up the door and it's more. Yay, yay, more came to visit. Maybe more, more helped get her out of her boredom. We can so only help, right? To be, I was about to be like, more came to talk some sense into her. Woo! Well, there's that too. We also hope more is here to talk sense into her. And of course, more. Farrah is covered 
in paint. She's got it on her, her hair, her skin, the clothes. So not only did she paint everything in the cabin, pretty much, she's painted herself in the process. So guys, I wish you could have been here for this moment. Kim's going, she's got it on her. She's got it on the walls. She's got it on everything. As my kid is clearly doing the biggest poop of her life. And I'm like, just like my baby has it on her, has it on the walls, has it on everything. <laughs> Woo, welcome to the backstages of life, guys. Yep. We're exciting. Let me tell you, we really are. There's a reason we talk about fantasy books because our real lives, guys. This. Not that exciting. <laughs> Just not. Um, so they more kind of use all these colors and she's like, the paint she's the paint person in Vera's hand and she's like well you've been busy which I just think is funny because with the right person in that role that's going to be like the best dry dead oh, for sure. sarcastic you've been busy can't wait I can't wait to see what happens okay but as TikTok points out I mean TikTok likes to make fun and pretend that maybe Farrah is not a very good artist but she probably is but still could you imagine being like I left you alone for like two three days I come back and you fucking painted my house i mean i realize it's not just more but still it's like you'd come back and you'd be like i don't care how good you are that was fucking weird what did you do she painted murals all over the house it's okay. still uncomfortable a little weird i have to walk around she's checking out all of Farrah's art which is all over the cabin but there are colors and images everywhere and you know it's it's some some things are very basic and some are very, very elaborate. Like she did this whole thing around the threshold of the door where at the top there were these icicles that melt. And as the water melts down and it gets to the bottom, it turns into the first little blooms of flowers of spring. So, I mean, I have to give favor credit. I mean, it was a very creative way to kind of do things. And then you go from, from spring to summer, and then going into fall. So she quite literally, you know, she, she had decorated things and she went, you know, she did the four seasons and then come to find out the door in the, on the archway of the doorway going to, towards the bedrooms where the two bedrooms are, the hallway for the bedrooms and the bath. For whatever crazy reason, Feyre got the wild ass urge to paint Amarin's eyes. I love it. Again, if you're gonna, if you're gonna do something outrageous, like paint somebody's walls who aren't your walls without explicit, you know, permission, then just go hog wild and do something fucking weird. Like painting somebody else's eyeballs, like do it. (laughs) If you're gonna be fucking weird, weird. let your freak flag fly. (laughs) That's right. And uh, anyway, it was just more gets to Amarin's eyes. She's like, why are they, why are Amarin's eyes there? Farrah's like, well, more snorts and says, that simply won't do. Paint my eyes next to her. So the males of this family we know we're both watching them the next time they come up here to get drunk for a week straight. Of course, Farrah's like, wait, they do that? And Moore's like, well, they Uh, used to. Apparently. Before Amarantha. Every autumn, the three of them would lock themselves in this house for five days and drink and drink and hunt and hunt. And then they'd come back to Volaris looking halfway to death, but grinning like fools. It warms my heart to know that from now on, they'll have to do it with me and Amarin staring at them. 
<laughs> which I'm sorry, is absolutely hysterical. Again, right people in the right roles. This is going to be a hysterical conversation. Absolutely. And so Feyre is finally like, so who does this paint belong to? <laughs> you know, Moore's only been there checking out the art. They've been talking about art now for quite a while and, and talking about stuff in general. And now she's like, well, who does the paint belong to? I'm like, seriously, girl, sometimes I wonder. But Moore's like, well, it belonged to Amarin. She decided one summer she was going to take up painting. She got bored with it pretty quick, apparently. But because that, this cabin is spelled to take care of things and preserve things, because the paint was kept all sealed up in the cans, everything was fine. And uh, the paint was still fresh, however many years later, because I guarantee you it's probably been there more than 50 years. What do you want to bet? Because hmm. let's face it, the rare world, paint 50 years old, no bueno. And uh, they're talking and, and she's finally like getting news from my sisters and she's like, and, and more answers Pharaoh with no, not yet. And then finally, Pharaoh decides to try to address the elephant in the room. And she's like, well, is he, is he her? And you know, she's like, I left him in the freezing mud injured and working the poison out of his system. I tried not to dwell on it while I painted. I.e., I have guilt now because I'm now realizing I'm kind of a jackass. Pretty much. So, some more answers are she's like, still recovering, but fine. Pissed at me, of course, but he can shove it. So, in a way, I mean, I'm glad to see Moore's finally like, look, asshole, you should have told her. But at the same time, whatever. And then she's, she, favorite response, and she's like, you know, thank you for not telling them I'm here. And so then there's food, because I guess Moore gets hungry. So she brings up, every time I turn around, Moore's eating or asking about food. Have you ever noticed that? Food yeah, she's got that, that, that trope that people talk about all the time. Like, you know, skinny people who can eat all the time. She's one of them. Yeah, I wish, I wish I was, but yeah. Same. So anyway, more brings in food because she's, she magics in food because I guess she's hungry. She's got the munchies at least. And all of a sudden, Fairy realizes she's hungry because let me guess, she hasn't eaten in a while because she's been painting. But as Moore is working on stuff, she's like, you know, you really should kind of talk to him and, and, and all, you know, he has his reasons and he might be arrogant as all hell, but he usually is right about his instincts. He makes mistakes, but he really should hear him out. And Farrah says to herself in her internal monologue that she had already decided to do that. And I'm like, okay, can we just end this here? Like, well, why one are we would continuing? think. Yeah, one would think, but here we are. She's already come to that. Why, why are we doing? So anyway, she's like, oh, how was your, you know, how was your visit to the Court of Nightmares? And they're chit-chatting and I'm just like, I kind of laugh because more, more, more tells about a little bit of vindictiveness she had towards her father, which I honestly can say is just so long overdue because Kira's such a prick and asshole that she's like, yeah, 
I might have broken a few more bones when I went. <laughs> I'm like, go, go more. <laughs> Not something I would um, encourage anyone to really do, but in this case, I'm, I'm kind of. Yeah, but why not? Kind of mildly gleeful that she did it. So you go, girl. And she's like, yeah. So because of that, my mom's banished me from the personal quarters. Oh, darn, Chucky Boo, what a shame. <laughs> like, okay. And so anyway, we just kind of kind of laugh. And, you know, then then Farah is like, so does Reese make you do that often? And, and Moore's like, look, Reese gave me permission to kill him the day he became High Lord. And he's like, nah. She's like, I kind of got to remind them. And then, then she's really cute. She's like, maybe one time, maybe sometime for, for solstice, I'll give it, I'll, I'll, I'll let Azrael and Cassian do it as a solstice gift. <laughs> Which, okay, this comes out later in a different book, but apparently more gives horrible solstice gifts. Yeah, this would probably be a better gift than what she does. And yeah, this would be a great gift that she could give the boys. I'm, I'm sure those two particular bat boys would love that little gift. And so then Feyre being Feyre brings up the whole triangle with Cassian and Azrael. And, because, and, she's, and, because she's obsessed and because she's obsessed and doesn't know how to talk about anything else. I swear. I swear. I agree. So she I mean, also, in fairness, it's kind of like how you and I have done nothing but talk about Tom Hiddleston for three days. So, I mean, I guess I get it, but. I do, but, well. All right, fans, you have to understand, we both find Tom Hiddleston to be insanely attractive, but not, not, well, regardless, it was, it, it was a, I'm trying to think how to explain this. Like, it's not in a, we both well, want to bang him kind of way, because that's not it. No, it's mostly that we just still can't figure out how like they're we mostly can't figure we mostly can't figure out how we both know he's attractive. Most of the world knows he's attractive and somehow he dated T Swift and it went to hella south. And I just I can't understand how that happened a few years ago and we still have not recovered from that. Exactly. Exactly. And <clears throat> so Anyway, they go into this whole thing. I don't want to go into a whole lot of details. I'm just going to tell you all, read it. Go read the chapter. It's really cute. But she explains that really the issue is Azrael, not more. More is basically I could strip in front of him and Azrael wouldn't do a damn thing. And um, I just think it's funny because Feyre, being Feyre, keeps pushing. And more finally calls her out. And she's like, why are you doing this? And Feyre is finally like, I love this. She's like, well, I'm still trying to figure out how you all work together. Which I, I guess I can get, because I mean, in, in a way, is really kind of coming in. I mean, as, as Moore says, she goes, well, we have five centuries of tangled history for you to sort through, so good luck. Oh, yeah. So, I mean, I, I give Fair credit, because in a way, no matter what, I have to admit, if I were in that situation, I probably would be like, what the fuck is going on? So... I might be asking 20 questions too. I don't know. I want to say I wouldn't, but I doubt it. <laughs> the baby's trying to eat the mama's face. It's so cute. Yeah, she'd be flailing. 
it's really cute. So anyway, and, and more, and, and Feyre had been painting Moore's eyes next to Amarin. So as soon as she finishes, as this conversation wraps up, she looks and she goes, paint Asriel's next to mine and Cassian's next to, to Amarin's. And Feyre's looking at her like, um, and she's like, so we can all watch over you with a big innocent smile. Ha, 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 ha. Okay. I was going to say, I mean, I'm just, um, that has That's to be awkward. Right. That has to be awkward later. That's right. And the baby said it. Yeah. Uh-huh. She, she knows what's up. She does. She's so smart. And um, I, I give her so much credit. So anyway, Farrah gets the painting and then more asks her, is it so bad to be his mate, to be a part of our court, our family, tingled history and all? And Farrah starts to think about it and she's like, no, no, it's not. And then she goes, I had my answer. Okay. It's the end of the chapter. Now, end of the chapter. Where do we think we're going to go with this? Not where we think we're going to go. I'm sorry. <laughs> Just is changing the baby. The dog has lost her fucking mind. She's doing the thing, you know, like the zoomies. But yes. I don't know if you can hear her. She's yeah. doing the zoomies back and forth and I have that little rug in here and she slid, like got on the rug and slid. Oh, no. So it was like you were talking, but like my whole fucking world was melting down behind the computer. Baby's like crying. He's changing her. Dog is like tearing through. Carpet just ripped off the like little sticky pad. I'm like. <laughs> I get to the end of the chapter and I'm looking at you and I'm like, oh my I know, God, you were like, happened? and that's the end of the chapter. And I was just like. <laughs> Because that was when my dog decided to use the the carpet as a sled. And I was like, what's good pocketing? Yeah. Jesus. <laughs> um, and yeah, we could probably, I, I, there was one part where like she had my mic and I was trying to get out of her hands and I kept trying to start to send her. I was like, because, because, because uh, we can edit some of those out. But I think for the most part, she was quiet other than, and, and people know because you made the comment that you could see her and she was cute that if people hear something, they're going to figure it out. It's fine. I'm not worried. I mean, really. And it was so sneaky cute because then she was like, yeah, yeah, that was pretty <laughs> funny. Right. Like, you tell them. Yeah. I was like, what the heck? And she was like, yeah, <laughs> like, you go, Sally. You tell She's, them. She ain't stupid. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, she feels about getting her diaper changed. How we feel about Pharaoh right now. Um, yeah, yeah. We'll, so let me know when I can start fifty three. Yeah, she'll be done in a minute. It's the dog has stopped running, so that's a step up. Yay! I can take her back because I can feed her. I just thought maybe she'd be quiet while you change her, but she was not, and the dog lost her mind. So. Honestly, I probably could have gotten up and changed her. I just thought we could get right on and I was wrong. <laughs> Sorry, love. Need a baby girl. Need a baby girl. All right, carry on. All right. So 
chapter ended. Oy. 52. Barry's had a realization. She knows what her She's had it 106 is. times. But she's finally there. Like, she really has an answer, right? Chapter ends. Now, before we go anywhere, people, what do you think is going to happen? Do you think, do you think Farrah's going to, like, see the light and have more take her back? We'll see. One would hope. Chap- chapter 53. So more stays the night. And they paint together. More does some painting around the cabin with her. And then she leaves after breakfast. Now, okay, I, I again, I said, did, did Feyre not just have this realization? She could have just told Fe- more, take me back, bring me home. But no. <sighs> okay. That would anyway. be too easy. Yes, far too easy, far too logical. I don't understand this. What the point of her not going back with more is, but whatever. But Farrah's looking outside and she realizes that spring is coming and she does know that it gets warm because, again, she found all that outdoor gear, like the fishing gear and all that crap to, you know, do outdoor sports with and warm weather. And as she's she's doing her, you know, she's she's painting and she's cleaning up a little and, and whatever. And she's staring out the window and she gets this like, I want to say it's like a daydream slash vision, almost like a second sight vision where she can see her future. And, you know, she's, she, she sees herself outside of this cabin and it's, it's like summer and she's out roaming around and, and, you know, checking out all the different things and the little streams and and the trees and the in the little meadows and whatever and you know she eats summer berries that she finds the wild berries that she finds and then she's like i'll go home to volaris where i would walk through the artist's quarter so the one good thing about all this painting she's done is it has opened up her inner artist and she is back to being the artist favorite that we all knew and, and thank god thank okay. god okay but offline i wish i had my camera on so you could have seen my face i'm feeding her now i she had a bad latch it was hurting so i like moved my boob out of her mouth and i go to put it back in her mouth and did i spray breast milk all over her face yes i did I have never had that happen before. It shot out like a hose and she just looked at me like, what the fuck? Oops. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I thought you'd enjoy that story. (laughs) Uh, Somebody may. Vera has this whole little dream and she go back to Valaris. She's going to walk through the, the artist's quarter and she come and, 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 and maybe one day she'd open her own shop there. 
and not to sell her work, but to teach others, maybe teach others who were like her, broken in places and trying to fight it, trying to learn who they were around the dark and the pain. And I'd go home at the end of every day, exhausted, but content, fulfilled, happy. I'd go home every day to the townhouse, to my Ooh. friends, and we sand. He would be there. Okay, so... You know, she's like, I would sell my paintings. I could pay him back, mate or no. I just want to say, if you've read the series, and if you've read at least through Frost and Starlight, all I have to say is foreshadowing, mm -hmm. a little, a little bit much, maybe, mm -hmm. premonition. Mm -hmm. Smidgey. Smidgey, just a thought. So anyway, but she has this whole thing and she finally realizes in her little daydream vision that it's her and, and, and Reese and, and, and she, she finally realizes she sees them together as a couple in this little daydream. And she's like a future, a future I saw for myself, bright as the sunrise over the Sidra, a direction and a goal and an invitation to see what else immortality might offer me it did not seem so listless so empty anymore and i would fight until my last breath to attain it to defend it so i knew what i had to do we have a snowflake okay before i go on i just want to say why the fuck didn't she go with more <laughs> I really, I, that, that kills me. I have absolutely, I knew it. I, I just can't wrap my head around this. I can't either. And I get so irritated and I'm just so frustrated and I'm just like, ah, so anyway, snowflake, this kills me. Five days passed. Five days. And Feyre has painted all the yep things she's yeah bored. which has to be getting annoying to people like i swear if i were more and i came back and she painted more i'd be like what in the hell is wrong with you yeah really and she's sick i love this after five days i'm sick of my own thoughts for company sick of waiting sick of the thawing dripping snow okay sugar plum you could have left with more you could have left with her the last time she came to visit dumbass but no, you had to be stupid and bullheaded. And now she's getting sick of this shit and she's moping and grousing around the cabin. She finally decided to take a bath and scrub off all this paint because she realized she was filthy. She had paint everywhere, everywhere. And there's this knock on the door. She opens up the door thinking it's more it's yeah not more well because you would think it would be more coming back to be like okay i keep coming i keep hoping you'll leave with me and you still haven't but she opens up the door and it's not more and the chapter ends right there and that's where we leave you friends because we're evil <laughs> sarah j mass is evil too basically i was gonna say we're basically doing it because that's what she did and also because our next section is gonna be a doozy of its own 
yeah. So anyway, that's the end of chapter 53. She flings open the door. Well, damn. And it's not more. And she thought it was more. We'll let you guess who it is. Maybe it's Cassian. Maybe it's Azrael. Who knows? Find out next week. And if you've read it. That's a lie. Find out in two weeks. (laughs) Oh, wait, you're right. Find out in two weeks. I'm sorry. It's been a long this 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 whole section of chapter it's just been long her whole prevaricating for days on end has just worn me out i'm sorry guys i've lost track of time so anyway that's the end i have a playlist if you want to hear it please share okay so we had to have a little bit of fun because well favorite irritates us and so we had to have a little bit of fun here people work with us i hope you're as entertained and amused as we are so the first song is she wolf by david Guetta and sia and it's specifically for when reese throws favor away from him when he's being shot down and she has to use her magic to find him and then because it's perfect and also i'm not sure maybe i don't listen to the song right but i only hear sia and not david Guetta. so yeah go figure that one friends yeah and then the next song is shallow by lady gaga and it's resand literally debating if he's going to tell pharaoh just before they get shot down that they're mates the next song because this is so appropriate and i have to tell you guys so but kelsey and i were talking about this and we're like all right we have to find some music because you know like feyra just completely like loses her shizzles because of this whole mate thing we have to find a song for this and i was struggling it just wasn't in my musical pantheon um so i i, I was joking with Kelsey and this is kind of how we got on the whole Tom Hiddleston kick because I was just like um Taylor Swift likes to sing songs about her ex-boyfriends and she does like this angry fu thing about all of her ex-boyfriends in her music so I'm like can you check Taylor Swift's like catalog and see if something pops up to you and I was like I'm so on was, it <laughs> and I was like still going to only because I was doing other stuff and I was trying to get through some other songs and pull other things because I've got some other stuff I'm pulling for the future and I was like can you would you mind doing that while I look at the rest of this she's like sure so she was on it she went and found it so song number three is Mad Woman by Taylor Swift (laughs) for when Feyre literally goes off the deep end and she's mad at Reese I'm like seriously woman you you have issues okay so Song four makes both of us laugh. And it's kind of after Farah has had her come to Jesus and realizes she's in the cabin and she's kind of calmed the fuck down a little. And it's, I don't know how to love him from Jesus Christ Superstar. I don't care what version you all listen to, but it's a great little song because it's, if you know the show, you understand really why it's so funny because it made both Kelsey and I laugh pretty, pretty hard. Oh, yes. We talked about this. But it's Mary Magdalene's song about Jesus. So 
you know, it's a prostitute singing about how she doesn't know how to love Jesus Christ, which I just think it's hysterical. So anyway, there you go. Song five is Faith by George Michael. And it's kind of for when she's in the cabin and, and, and her brain's finally starting to work in the right way. And she's having these introspective come to Jesus moments, so to speak. And the last song is A Little Respect by Erasure. And again, it's when Farrah's in the cabin and she's kind of going through all this and she's talking about, you know, and she does make the point. She was mad at him for not trusting her enough to tell her the truth. And I get that. But at the same time, she does know that he realizes she would have reacted badly. <coughs> but there are some respect issues kind of, I guess, in a way going on. So I just thought the song was appropriate. And if you hear the lyrics, there's more to it. But anyway. So those are our six songs for this episode of little crazy stuff. Yes. And I do have some TikToks to share. <laughs> yeah. So first up, I have a hilarious TikTok about the whole mating bond, surreal spilling the tea nonsense from at absolute nerd with no life. I will link it in the show notes. It's just a sound clip from something else um, overplayed over Feyre and Reese, um, basically being like, mm, so the surreal told you, mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, you just got to check it out. It's hilarious. It is absolutely hysterical. Then I have another one. I have another surreal TikTok uh, by Crafty Bookworm. And that one's also hilarious. It's about Feyre laying her trap for the surreal. Uh, so again, definitely worth a watch. <laughs> and linked in the show notes as per usual. Okay. And then finally, I have, um, you know how we like talked about the Morgan and we were down a rabbit hole on all that? Yeah. Well, Horny for Swords has a whole TikTok that you got to check out. So just do that. <laughs> also, I want to say that it took me a while to figure out her name was Horny for Swords and not Horny for Swords. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, oh, that's how you read that. It's a swords, not force swords. <laughs> well, it does change things. Just new mom brain, guys. New mom brain. <laughs> Sleep deprivation, it does the weirdest things to you. Baby brain is real. Mommy brain is totally real, you guys. I'm sorry. Point is, these TikToks are gold and they're linked in the show notes. They are. Okay, so you guys can find us on all the things. So remember, these are all with two A's, like Sarah J. Mass's last name, because we're cute like that. Our website is massivefansbookclub.com. Facebook at Massive Fans Book Club and Podcast. Twitter at Massive Podcast, 
Instagram at Massive Fans Podcast and Pinterest at Massive Fans. Okay, so you've heard where to find us. And with that, let's introduce you guys to someone new. Yay! Alrighty, so we promised you that at the end of this episode, we would have somebody fun on, somebody you haven't met before. So I am happy and excited to introduce you to Kara from Books and Barbells on Instagram, on TikTok, on all of the things. And she is going to walk (laughs) us through a really fun challenge she has going on. And personally, as a a new mom who has some weight to lose, uh, I think this is my kind of challenge. So, so, uh, Kara, d- d- dive in real quick here. Um, you have a chat, you have a fitness challenge for us. <laughs> yes, I do. I do. So I have a 30 day Valkyrie fitness challenge. Um, basically it's directed towards people who really don't have the motivation because mm-hmm. life is annoying and stressful and there's too much. And at the end of the day with the screaming kids and work and school and whatever it is in your life, the motivation is just like, meh, I'll do it tomorrow. Yeah. Unless you're going, well, Cassian would be really disappointed right now. <laughs> so <laughs> now think about it. When you know that Cassian stares at Nessa's rear as they are training and you're doing your own squats, you're going, yeah, Cassian's watching me right now. And that gets you through those squats. I can so that believe general, it. Right? That's so a motivator. that general me- mentality, a motivator, um, was always like, before I did the, let's just say Sarah J Mass themed workouts and stuff, I did Nerd Gym. I still do Nerve Gym. So I did Star Wars workouts and everything awesome. else yeah. because you've got an entire demographic of people who are uncomfortable in the gym who aren't the athletes and the the fitness gurus or and the time and the energy if it takes me a half hour to get to the gym a half hour to get home from the gym doing an hour workout who has two hours out of the day every day to do that they don't so it was one of those like people want to be in their own space comfortable and they also want to feel like a badass they want to feel like a warrior they want to feel like their favorite warriors you know what I mean they don't relate to the strong man or the whatever those people relate to because I don't know (laughs) what we relate to is Anakin Skywalker or Selena Mm -hmm. Sardothian or Nesta Archeron and when A Court of Silver Flames popped out and I was reading that as a personal trainer I was like um this is actually quite accurate. This is actually exactly how I would write. I would write a training scene as a trainer. Breeding Cassian and Ted, when Cass told Nessa to take her shoes off and feel the ground and find the balance. Like I trained for most of my life with no shoes in martial arts. You know what I mean? And that's mm-hmm. how you. So I read it. And then I heard somebody else mention that Sarah actually had her own personal trainers help her write gotcha. those scenes. So I was like, that's awesome. Props to Sarah for something like that. Mm -hmm. And then like the wheels in my brain start going because I think about 27 things every minute. And I was like, you know what? My nerd gym stuff and the book stuff, like I had already done like a Selena Sardothian shoulder workout. Yeah. But there wasn't anything to like build on there. But Valkyrie training is something that would be over, like something that can happen forever. Valkyrie training right, never right, ends. Right. You could be a general and you're still in that training rink. Cassian and Asriel are still sparring every week. You know what I mean? Um, so it was one of those, like, I'm like, okay, Valkyrie training, I can do this. First sure. challenge we did, I kept very simple because like I said, 
we're targeting people that aren't very into fitness and that kind of right. stuff. So we kept it simple with squats. We did squats and sit-ups, 30 straight days, 100 reps each, um, and we added one, one, one 60-second plank. It was easy. It was quick. It was mm-hmm. manageable. And what I focused on was creating basically a routine and a mindset like, mm-hmm. hey, this doesn't have to be scary. And you can have a really good time with this. It, you can feel good. And after like the first week, people who I guess had never even really thought about it, but they wanted to train with Cassian were like, Mm -hmm. oh my God, I feel amazing. I have more energy. Like, yeah, I'm sore, but I'm in a good mood. And so I had really no full intention of like doing this forever. I just wanted to do that one challenge maybe grab a couple of girls that were very serious about training. Cause I am a personal trainer and mm-hmm. do one-on-one stuff, whatever. But we went from, I want to say like 40 or 50 girls to like 700 overnight. Wow. And what really was crazy was the community that was built. They made their own units. Girls sent me t-shirts and sweatshirts with their battle units. We have girls all over the world. We have literally awesome. like, all over the world we have an entire that's unit amazing in Australia uh, an entire unit in Australia that's like 20 girls like it's it's a worldwide reaching Ramiel if you go to the reaching Ramiel hashtag on Instagram or TikTok you will see thousands of videos and views basically it was I read a quarter silver flames I was like wow she wrote these training scenes really well and I was like okay props and I'm like you know what this is something that would really motivate people to like get up and move. And like, I'm not asking you to turn into a come competitive model or some crazy nonsense, but just move and feel better. Don't be tired walking up the stairs, stuff like that. Healthy, be able to really knock somebody out with a sword exactly. if you want to. And it was, it only took maybe, I think, well, the first challenge was in June and I read uh, of course, Silver Flames in February. It only took maybe a month or two for people to be like, oh my God, I wish Valkyrie training was real. I'm like, it is. It's called a gym. I'm like, I got you guys. I get it. You guys don't want to go to the gym. I'm like, I don't even like the gym. And I do like the gym. You know what I mean? So it was one of those things where I'm like, you know what? Not for nothing. The things that Cassian is training you for is functional training. You don't mm-hmm. need to be at a gym for it. Everything Cassian is training you with, you don't technically need dumbbells for. You could do this training with a child or a bottle of wine, any kind of weight or resistance. Grab a boulder. I'm pretty sure Nesta was doing sit-ups with a giant rock. Uh, More and more people were like, oh, my God, Valkyrie training. Oh, my God, Valkyrie training. And it was a a, a spectrum of people who I know have worked out, people who worked out in the past and life got a hold of them, people who have never worked out before. But they all had the same thing in common. They fucking love Akatar. And they were interested in Valkyrie training, whether they were attracted to Nessa or Emery or Gwen's story, because they're three very different personalities. Yeah, yeah. They all came in that I want to be strong. Like mm-hmm. I tell the girls all the time, like we don't give a fuck about a bikini or a, a beach body. We're building a, a, a battle body. Yeah. We want to just crush the skulls of our enemies and we want to laugh about it afterwards. So it's focusing on being strong and confident and healthy within your head and body, mm-hmm. not mm-hmm. what the mirror and the scale says. So yeah, I was like, all right, we'll definitely do another challenge. But I'm like, I'm going to make the next challenge as Cassian would be training them. You're going to, it's going to be different. It's going to be harder this time. 
Oh, I say, so, uh, what can, what can <laughs> we look forward to? Because as somebody who I fall into that category of somebody who used to uh, work out and then, uh, life got a hold of me. So between COVID and having to quit the gym and then having Same. a baby and couldn't work out, um, exactly. now, I'm, now I'm back, uh, almost two years later. And when I left the gym, I could deadlift almost 200 pounds, but nice. you know, okay. that was two years ago. So uh, what can I expect? <laughs> <laughs> so the so original challenge that for me, but yeah. The original challenge was, like I said, 100 squats, 100 sit-ups, and one 60-second plank every day for 30 days, where Prithian is going to be 10 workouts. So I've designed one workout per court, and then each Sacred Mountain has a workout. The okay. Sacred Mountain workouts are more like progress checkpoints because they're not where like the, the seven court workouts are seven exercises. There are three rounds. It's going to be like a half hour to 45 minute workout, depending on how fast right, you get through right. it. Um, but the sacred mountain workouts are probably like 15 to 20 minute workouts where like, if you did 50 burpees for the middle on Monday and you did mm -hmm. 75 burpees for the middle on Friday, that's progress. You've made progress because now you're stronger. Your endurance is there. And that's kind of to like show that progress is in the scale. Progress is how you feel, how strong you are, how fast you are, how your breathing is, that mm -hmm. kind of stuff. It's getting out of your head. So Basically, I just want to jump in and say that we're excited to share that yes. uh, we here at Massive Fans will be joining forces with Books and Barbells to bring yes. you a month-long contest along with this month-long challenge. And we're going to be doing the challenge with you guys, you know, yes. um, God willing that we make it that long. <laughs> um. I promise there's there's actually rest days in this one. Everybody Ooh. was really excited to hear that because there was no rest days in the last one. Yes. Good, good, good. <laughs> Well, yeah. then that being said, um, so we will be posting the contest rules on Books and Barbells and on Massive Fans on Instagram on September 1st. So just look for those rules and follow along. And those will be how you get your entries for a giveaway. And we will also share about that starting in September as well, about what those what that item is going to look like. So we're pretty excited. We're very awesome, excited. Awesome. And all of the Saving Prithian workouts, graphics, schedule, all of that stuff is starting to go up. So make sure, um, as long as you're in the Valkyrie group on Facebook, you'll have access to everything organized right there. But I do also post it on YouTube, Instagram, and TikTok. So awesome. across all of my platforms, Beautiful. but the easiest way is that Facebook group because it's organized literally under Saving Prithian and you can go, oh, here's this. Oh, here's that. God, it's so much fun. It's so much fun. So it's, there's so much to it other than like the fitness stuff. And I can't even say, even me as a fitness, we'll say expert, a fitness professional is a better word. I'm not an expert in anything except toxicity. Um, but even me, there's days where, or I'll have an endo flare up or something weird where I'm just like, listen, this isn't happening for me today. And I'll go in the group and after like scrolling for 20 minutes, cause people are chatty in there. All of a sudden I'm like, I'm up, I'm doing this. We got right. this. And even mm -hmm. if like, I can't do whatever I would supplement something, go for a walk. It's a, a big mental thing there. So the, the group is, is key. And that's the easiest place to find your information. <laughs> And we will link to all of the socials for both massive fans and books and barbells in the show notes. So you can always look there. So that's, cool, that's cool, cool. Right. click and follow. Perfect. So do you <laughs> want to share how people can get all of the things? All of the things. Yes. So the merch, the stuff currently, um, all of the Valkyrie and reaching Ramiel merch are on Redbubble. The link is in my bio. So if you 
go to any of my socials and click a link, you'll find it's Antihero oh, Designs. Okay. Is um, anytime I do any kind of merch, it'll be under Antihero Designs. So we will have an Etsy coming probably at the very end of September. Very cool. And that will also be Antihero Designs. Thank you, thank you. Um, so it will be Antihero Designs, but the easiest way is the link in the bio. And when you click the link in my bio, there's an actual like bullet that says Valkyrie Training. And under Valkyrie training is everything. There's like a macro ebook that explains not what diet you need to be on, but what food is, what carbs do, what protein does, what fat does. Because fat's not evil. That's actually yes, good for your body. Exactly. So people don't realize things like that. So I wrote up an actual like Valkyrie ebook on eating. Because like you remember Cassian's like, eat your oatmeal. No yeah. sugar. So I wrote a book. Not a book, but it's like 15 pages. It. So I that's love it. It's right there in the link. It's super easy. But also there, you'll see the um, anti-hero designs. We are super excited. And we are. Me too. Me are, too. We are definitely so glad you came on with us real quick Me today. too. And we cannot wait to have you back in early October to announce the winner of some of these giveaways. Yes. And yes. also... Yes. We want to have you back on as soon as possible for a lovely yes. bonus episode because we have so boy, much do we to have talk about. so many things to talk Please about. Do. <laughs> so thank you for listening. And we are really excited to be doing the Saving Prithian challenge with at Books and Barbells. Excited and terrified. Yes. <laughs> Absolutely petrified. I, I have a funny feeling I'm going to be walking very funny because I'm going to be really sore for the next several weeks. So sorry. And with that, we will uh, catch you in two weeks after yes. the Labor Day holiday. So have okay. a great holiday weekend. Yes. And bye. Bye.